0: This is coffee number five. I'm your host, Lara Schmoisman. Thank you, everyone, for being back in coffee number five today. And as you guys know, I'm I'm huge on strategies. This is something that you're gonna hear every time I talk about anything. It's come back to strategy somehow. I believe in strategy as a huge part of my business, but also as a huge part of my life. I don't think I could be have a house, a business, kids, a dog, and and function. If I didn't have all these strategies in place, I'm gonna come with a definition soon because this is something that I was discussing with Eva Janoda. Welcome, Eva. Thank you so much for being here today at Coffee Number Five. And the great thing about strategies is that they can change all the time. They're flexible and they can grow or you can minimize them and they're versatile and that's what I love about strategies but for me strategizing is making a plan but a plan with contingencies that you need to be open that your strategy need to, might not work so you need to observe it and be able to adjust it yeah I'm so
1: glad we're talking about strategy. You know, that's a word that gets thrown around a lot. And one of the things that it seems to me happens is sometimes folks get confused. What is a strategy versus a tactic? And what you said resonates with with the way I think about strategy, which is like like you said, it's a plan or a a way you have of trying to solve a problem. So, and you mentioned like strategies for my kids, for my dog, for my house, and that really helps When I think about it that way, that helps me really get grounded in what a strategy is. Like you have a house to take care of, you have errands to run and you need to have a plan and an idea of, okay, I'm going to go to point A to do this and point B to do that to solve the fact that I need groceries or my children need to be picked up or dropped off. And similarly with a business, you have these problems or these, maybe you don't want to call them problems. Maybe you call them challenges or projects or outcomes that you're striving for. And so your strategy is simply here I am now. And here's the steps that I plan to take my, my plan to get there.
0: Yeah. For me, it's also like, if you will see a map and you have many chores to do, so you're going to be looking at the map and say, okay, how is my plan convenient to do it? It's how to make it more efficient Strategy is supposed to make your life more efficient, not more complicated. But what I love about strategies is also that if you do a strategy, right. You're gonna get data, you're gonna get information. So from that information, because that's why it's really important, important to be consistent with the strategy. If you get information, then you can learn what you did right and what you did wrong. And you can evolve that strategy in something that is even more efficient. That's another of my favorite words, efficiency. I love the word
1: and the concept of efficiency. And I've actually, it's my my husband and my and my family members have teased me about kind of being obsessed with efficiency like when I'm driving somewhere if I have to make multiple stops I think through what's the most efficient route I can take in my car or even if I'm like moving from room to room in my house and I need to take this over there I think okay what else do I need to take into that room so I can do it all at once and not everyone thinks that way but I find it really gratifying to think strategically
0: oh my god I'm just, yeah, I'm nerding out here. It's like, I'm enjoying this so much to find someone who does the same thing. My office is in the lowest level. So if I'm going to go upstairs, I need to do it for multiple things, not just one. Yes. Unless I need to really to run to the bathroom and then it's another story, but yeah, you have your priorities. (laughs) Well, but even when I need to run, then in the way back, I find out that I, I need to do something else before I come down. It's about combining and really when I I work with a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of business owners and I feel I see that a lot of businesses fail for that reason and because they don't know how to use their assets and make them efficient. And that's one of the um, coaching programs that I also developed, like how to strategize your business from the marketing side, of course, but just so you can learn how what assets you have in your company that you can utilize and which what assets you need to go and use outside and how to combine those assets.
1: Yeah, that's a really smart way of thinking about it. Like what do you have already? What do you need to go get? and again that
0: comes back to that's like problem solving or or challenge solving exactly because it's really important that first you need to know what you're counting with like i always say like of course there are all these social media platforms that but do we need them all do we need do we need to be everywhere i mean each business we need to think about the conversion and what are is our conversion. Is our conversion in every platform or our target audience are in certain places?
1: Yeah, and something that you know about me, Laura, is that I'm a proud social media monogamist. So I've made the strategic choice. I'm only going to use LinkedIn because it's most efficient for connecting with my audience. And it's also most efficient in terms of using my energy. I find the interface pleasing. I find it easy to use and navigate. Whereas other social media platforms I find I don't like the way I feel when I use them. And so I think it's interesting when you think about strategizing on your marketing, what is efficient and strategic to meet your goals from like a practical perspective in terms of connecting with your audience, but also from a personal one in terms of what are you really going to do? What's really going to be the most advantageous use of your energy.
0: Exactly. And it's the same thing that when people come to, I I offer, I have the agency side and then I have the coaching side. And with the, I created the coaching because I I figured out that there were a lot of people that they didn't have the, the money to pay the agency, but also there are a lot of startups and a lot of small companies that they don't feel comfortable an agency taking over, but they do need the strategy so that I create that programs to give strategies. But what I found out the most is that people get confused and they don't know how to Where the conversion is gonna come from. So even you can have. This is not a popularity contest. Many times you do need to have certain followers, so someone hears your message. Of course, but you want. I'd rather have hundred followers and that they're gonna convert. That that a million followers that they are not my target audience.
1: Yeah, it's really easy, and I think you know social media platforms are designed this way to kind of make you feel competitive with other, with with your peers, you know, who has the best photos, who has the most followers, who has the most engagement that makes a lot of sense from Mark Zuckerberg's perspective or from the platform's perspective in current terms of keeping a captive audience, consuming the content. But from your perspective as a business owner, you're right, Laura, it really does come down to what's most effective, what's converting in the way that I want, you know, convert, converting somebody to like your page is a different quality conversion and converting someone to download your lead magnet and be on your email list, you know, which is most valuable for you.
0: And, and those are funnels and are great because they're part of each business that they need to understand. But I found that a lot of the failures with companies, entrepreneurs is for them to try to copy other people's strategies. Mm, totally. I seen this so many times and I feel terrible for that because Basically, you're doing the same as your competitor. And second, you are a few minutes or years or months behind. So you cannot compete. So you need to create your own strategy. And like, I call it your own twist. Even if you're your competitor, find your twist, find how your story is different.
1: Yeah. And I think that's a good point, Laura. And it makes sense. Like When I started my business, I was definitely basically copying other people because to an extent that is how you learn and you learn by I see this over there I'm going to try it over here and assess whether I like it assess whether it works but I was curious to ask you like when you're working with your clients and they might say oh Laura I want to try this because I saw so and so doing it and you're like how do you kind of coach them to think creatively or to think of something they maybe haven't seen before uh, to come up with the twist?
0: Well, that's a hard one because it depends on each client. And I, I pride myself of having a personal relationship with each one of my clients. And the thing about social media is that everyone thinks that they know everything about it because it, everyone has it at, at their, at, in their hands. They can touch it. They can mani- It's not the same as SEO, that people, is like a hidden world. Social media is there and they can do it but the thing is all to me about performance. So we need to look at the numbers. And to me, performance speak louder than anything we can do. And we can have, and also it's about engagement. Like if you see, like someone was coming to me the other day and say, oh yeah, I have 2000 followers. I say, yes, honey, but you are following 1900. So the algorithm doesn't work in your favor. They need to remember that there is an algorithm. So I think That the conversation is to make them understand that the followers or the likes is not everything in the algorithm, is how you use the algorithm in your favor, and then to analyze it again and see what works and what doesn't work. But talking about personalities, is you need to, like, I work with a lot of doctors, and I always say, I mean, you're great. There are many doctors that are great out there, but when you're competing as a doctor, you're competing... Your competition is one and it's your personality. Why people will choose you against another one? Let's say that they both are under, have insurance or they don't have insurance. They both have beautiful offices. Those are other things. But the main difference that you can put out there in social media is their personality and find the right voice.
1: Yeah, that's something that I talk about a lot with my clients when we're working on developing their thought leadership content. And I'm really working with them, like, how do you get your most strong opinions and bold perspective and big ideas out from between your ears and into a way that's accessible to your audience? And part of it, a huge part of it is the personality. You know, anybody can kind of, or I I would argue that anybody can kind of write in sort of like a professional tone and it ends up all kind of sounding the same and being indistinguishable from other people who are writing in a professional tone. But when you start to use metaphors and tell stories from your life and bring some of your own humor and quirkiness into your content, that's when it gets to exactly what you're talking about, Laura, where suddenly your audience can distinguish, oh, this is the doctor or this is the person that's really going to resonate with me. I want to get my information and my learning from them not because of their qualifications per se, or because of the beauty of their website or their office or their brand, but because the way they connect with me makes me feel really seen and heard and drawn in.
0: Absolutely. And also it's the same way and with anything we do in life. Unfortunately, I believe that we live in a very PC politically correct world right now. And we were taught, well, not me because I, I didn't grow up here, but uh, I, I can see it with my kids that they are taught not to say certain things, not even to think certain things. Like I always say, many times educations will take them, uh, prepare them to work in a cub- cubicle without the window and not to see the world. And there are so many things in this world that they are not right or they are right, and but n- very few people speak up. Very few people are uh, taught how to make a process of thinking, hey, or take the five minutes, how I really feel about this. And we're taking what other per- people think about this. I think that what's made, you know, when we're talking about tough, uh, leadership, is about recognizing how we really feel about things and not that we're taking it from someone else.
1: Yeah, no, Laura, what you just said is really important. I want to first just quickly about the political correctness. You know, one of my clients wrote about this recently, and she said when she pointed out that when people kind of complain about not being able to say things or needing to be politically correct, she challenges you to ask yourself, who am I not respecting right now? Because a lot of the time, why I think political correctness is valuable and important is because it ensures that groups that have historically not been respected do get the respect that all human beings deserve. But on the other hand, what you just said is really important, asking yourself, how do I really feel about this? Because you can have an unpopular opinion that is still respectful. And I encourage my clients to to develop their unpopular opinions, provided that they're not offensive to anyone, of course, but to develop them because unpopular opinions anything that goes against the status quo and that really comes from a place of in like feeling in integrity with yourself and really trusting, you know, what i think about this and what i feel about this is valuable and i'm not alone and if i can have the courage to come out with my unpopular opinion or my strong perspective that might might not be agreeable to everyone then i'm really going to attract people that feel the same way and I'm going to repel people that don't. And that is very valuable for building my audience and growing my business.
0: I, I believe it was George Bernard Shaw who said that we don't fall in love with the perfect. We fall in love with the per- imperfections.
1: Oh, I've never heard that quote. I really like that.
0: Yeah. And I love that one. I, I, so I think you need to show yourself as in, imperfect that you could be because that makes you more human. And that's what we fall in love with.
1: And sometimes that involves like making mistakes and owning up to them publicly and being honest about where you're still learning or where you were wrong a couple of years ago. And now you've changed your opinion.
0: I changed my mind. I learn and that's okay. And that's okay to keep learning. I think that I will appreciate and I, I would value someone who said I made a mistake. I changed my ways and I will respect that. Um, I, I was about to tell you this short story that my, my son, he is uh, blonde, blue eyes, and he was in, in high school, and he made a comment about someone Latino, and he ended up at the dean office. My son and the dean and me, we have a long story going on already, <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, I said, I didn't understand why, and they called me to the office, and they told me that uh, he cannot say that. And I was, why? He just said that he's Latino and my son is half Latino. Yeah, but he's blonde and he has blue eyes. So the, the perception is that he's not Latino. It's like, really? We live in this world that is all about the perceptions? My, my son is half Latino, is half Middle Eastern. <laughs> it's like, he's a mix. So we are like, it's reverse discrimination. Somehow, it's like every time that we are allowed to say less. I mean, it's okay to say something about a Latino because it's part of the co- culture, and I'm proud Latina, and I feel like I identify by that. So why I would of- be offended for someone to call me Latino or Latinx now? It's supposed to be
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, people identity politics can get very uncomfortable. I think particularly for white people who haven't grown up being accustomed to identify ourselves as white and that's my identity and you know the way that uh, most white folks are brought up in the united states at least is we think of our identity as sort of neutral or non-existent and everybody else you know people of color of different stripes they have racial identities and we don't and that in my from my perspective makes us can make us very awkward (laughs) calling things what they are um, identifying ourselves and others using a proper language we sometimes just want to pretend it's not happening pretend it
0: doesn't exist exactly I'm done with the pretending I mean you're not insulting anyone by saying who they are i mean would be would you offend if they tell you you're a white person absolutely not exactly it's who you are it's-,
1: it's very strange and like that some or or maybe it's not strange I mean there's a lot of history here of course that would be way off topic to get into but it is, it is certainly true, you know, my experience being a white person and knowing a lot of white people that we tend to be very uncomfortable. And I think it's unnecessary to, to have that level of un- discomfort.
0: And that's why I, I go back to my clients and I, how... I make them unique is about talking about the core beliefs and who you are and who you believe. And I believe that being or ethnic is makes you who you are. It's a huge part of culturally. So find your age with all that knowledge that you have. Make a difference. And, and believe me, being Latina, doesn't mean that I'm going to be working only with Latinos. I'm going to be working with whoever, because culturally I'm richer. If I'm able to take the white part of me, the Latina, married to someone from the Middle East and mixing all that, I think you learn more from the world. Absolutely. And like you
1: said, in terms of like, what sets me apart, what gives me my edge, what really makes me stand out, you know, really offering your perspective from all of your intersecting identities, you know, your religious background, where in the world you grew up, you know, where in the country you grew up, ethnicity and race, and there's on and on and on. There's so many dimensions of diversity. And that's what you have. And that will always set you apart. And even somebody who has who shares your identities, like a sibling or something, they're still going to have their own experiences and their own perspective. And all of that richness is, and having the the courage and the comfort to come out about all of that richness is really important in effective thought leadership, in effective marketing, and in just being a, an effective business owner.
0: I think it's a part also of being vulnerable.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: And being okay to show that you're vulnerable and there it's okay that you have feelings and not every day is your best day.
1: Back to those imperfections that you mentioned earlier.
0: Exactly. I mean, and I'm all okay. My team knows that I can come in today and say, hey guys, I'm not having my best day. So basically don't piss me off. And they they know that it's not my day. I'm going to try to make it better, but it's okay to say that you're not okay. It's okay to say that uh, I I feel like, of course, we have an age gap here, and age difference. And- as a woman growing up in the 80s and starting to work in the workforce for, uh, in the 90s, I had to shut down a lot of the imperfections and a lot of just to grow professionally. And even more, I suffer horrible migraines, uh, the kind of that, that I will go to hospitals because I am blacking out and inject myself. Um, but I had to shut that down and I couldn't say that I had a migraine because it was, oh, there you go. She has another another headache.
1: I really hope that that dynamic is changing. You know, one of my clients was on on a live stream this morning, and she was talking about redefining power. And she was talking about her identity as an Asian American woman and how when she started her career, she felt like she had to check a lot of herself at the door. And she couldn't come in being her fullest, most powerful, authentic self because of the perceptions that you're talking about. People she didn't want anyone to write her off. And Assume she was capable of less because of anything that was less than perfect. And it's, you know, one of the benefits I would argue of being an entrepreneur is that we are in charge of ourselves and making our own decisions. And so we have some more options, perhaps you could argue with like how we show up and what we we talk about, you know, talk about migraines, talk about mental health stuff, but I am hopeful that as the discourse changes nationally and, and globally, especially after a year of pandemic, that we're able to have ever more honest conversations about all the things going on in our lives and how they affect us in all kinds of workplaces.
0: Yeah, and I want to go back for a minute uh, about the leadership. I learned that being a leader is not easy. (laughs) Being a leader, uh, I don't know your definition of leader, but for me, being a a leader comes with responsibility. It's a responsibility not only to lead others, but also to mentor others uh, and to be there there for them. And with that, leadership also is a responsibility that others might follow. (laughs) And I feel like a lot of people want to take that responsibility of leadership without. But then when finally they get the followers, like, what's going on here? What do I do now? How do you prepare someone for that?
1: Yeah. One of the things I'm thinking of is I've had a couple of instances where clients of mine, you know, when they start working with me on their thought leadership strategy and marketing, they'll start to gain followers. And so they'll start to get more attention and more feedback. And sometimes that feedback is negative and people don't like what they're saying. And so one of the things that I coach for myself and I coach for them is to view negative feedback as a sign that they're doing the right thing because it's a sign that they're really challenging their comfort zones, that they're really challenging themselves to say what they truly believe and value. And inevitably, you know, you're not here for everybody. Some people are just perpetually grumpy and unhappy. You can't make everyone happy. And so what I find very helpful to think about for myself and my clients is, okay, pushback. That's a good thing. That doesn't mean that you need to shut down and stop doing what you're doing. And when you talked about Laura, you know, like you get More followers, you have more responsibility to keep showing up for them. One of the things that I come back to with myself all the time is consistency. And that doesn't mean perfection, right? Like consistency just means like sometimes I might have an off day, an off week, and my consistency means being open about that with my followers rather than sending a quote unquote perfectly edited email. But the fact that I don't ghost on them, I don't disappear, I don't bail, that, that shows them that they can trust me, that they can rely on me in some, you know, that I'm going to be there, even if it's not in my most polished or um, perky or humorous way.
0: Yeah, I, I struggle so with you. And I'm going to let you go with but another phrase that I love, and I'm sure you're going to love it too. This one is from Don Quixote, uh, it, and it says um, something like, hey, Sancho. If the dogs are barking, it's because we're, gall- we're moving. Mm, I love that. Oh, you are so good with the quotes. I love quotes. <laughs> I really do love them. And I think so people keep moving. It's just they're always going to be barking.
1: Yeah. That's, yeah. So the barking isn't a sign that you need to run away or be afraid. It's just a sign that you're moving. And that's a
0: good sign. Exactly. So don't let the fear paralyze you. Just keep moving.
1: Love that. That's a great note to close
0: on, Eva. Thank you so much for being here. It was wonderful to talk and and talk and talk about strategies and all the things that I love. So let's keep in touch and keep strategizing.
1: Thank you so much, Laura. It was great to be here with you.
0: Thank you for joining us. If you like the show, remember to leave a review. I will really appreciate it. If you want to know more about marketing and myself, follow me on Instagram. My handle is Lara Schmoizmann. It was so good to have you here today. See you next time. Catch you on the flip side. Ciao, ciao.